Welcome to Market Scale Transportation. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Randy Ayala. He's the Director of Sales for North and South America for Segway Incorporated. Randy, how are you doing? Hi, Sean. How's it going? Thank you for the introduction. I'm doing very well. It's good to to talk a little bit about uh, the responsibilities that I have, um, being that with the Director of Sales, uh, for Segway by Ninebot, meaning that uh, Segway, I think everyone is familiar with our products based off the self-balancing vehicles, the personal transportation units. Um, and then we have uh, the incorporation of uh, Segway by Ninebot products that are a little bit more from the consumer side. Uh, and you're looking at, you know, scooters, uh, mini the mini series, uh, as well as new products such as go-karts and drifts that we'll talk about a bit a little bit later. So do me a favor. Let's let's go ahead and, and jump in because uh, everybody, you know, most people, when they think of Segway, uh, I'm, I'm not going to make a Paul Blart uh, joke here, but movie nerds know what I'm talking about. But that's what most people think about. When they think about Segway, so they think about the large, self-balancing, two-wheel with the handlebar. That's what most people think about Segway because it became so visible. You know, when you said Segway, you were using the name of the thing to describe what the thing actually was. And it became so ubiquitous and so visible. Everybody knew what a Segway was. But that's not, that was kind of an error on our part as consumers because Segway is so much more than just that device. Tell me how, how fun that evolution is. Yeah, I think it's actually, it's totally fine to use Paul Bart. Uh, because, you know, in a lot of ways, um, he, in that movie, kind of showed everyone what, what a Segway was, and it made it funny, but at the same time, it made it cool to look like, hey, I'd want to ride around in one of those two-wheel vehicles with a handle, and I can not be lazy, but just kind of zoom around and and, and get around without having to uh, exert too much energy. <laughs> um, I guess, to your question, you know, the evolution of our self-balancing vehicles, as we started back in 1999, uh, we really focused on a lot of products that were more um, used for, you know, whether it was out outdoor um, activities, environmental protection, as well as public security. Uh, you know, we've now looked at how do we make units that are smaller, smarter, and more convenient, convenient um, you know, for myself, coming from the wireless side, everyone is looking for the simplest way to get things done from their from their hand. And then on on this on this self balancing vehicle side, we're looking to really revolutionize how people are, are getting around town and just getting from you know from one side of the neighborhood to the next. I always thought that if I had been in the marketing department, I would have come up with a way to incorporate. Segway puts the fun in functionality. I, I always thought that they really were fun. And that's something I think Segway's always really been very good about. It can be fun to get from point A to point B. I, I completely agree. I mean, um, from the first day on the job here, I think, you know, you get you get exposure to multiple uh, self-balancing vehicles. And whether it's a scooter or a unicycle or a go-kart or one of our personal transportation units, um, like our I2 or 9bot9, it's real. There's multiple ways to have fun getting around town. Uh, and I think we we offer a lot of different um, 
products for, for the, the end user. The product lines that you have been able to come up with, pretty impressive, actually, to have that much diversity and that much growth in that relatively short amount of time in, in such a tech-focused industry, and to not only maintain relevance, but to be a driving force in the evolution of movement. And it's not all about just self-balancing transportation. As you mentioned, you know, kick scooters and uh, go-karts and and a lot of uh, smaller form factor travel options. That's a that's a pretty big challenge to take on. You really have to to be able to read consumers exceptionally well to be able to innovate in that space. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Sean. And I I think that what we've done is we've taken a product like our original parent, uh, personal transportation units um, 20 years ago and said, well, how, how can we make it more for the consumer now? Uh, and as we we make products that are for all ages, uh, not just for a, a Paul Bart mall cop, but it's, you know, for kids of many ages. I take units home and I have a son that's, uh, you know, nine, seven and four. I have three little boys and, and they can use our products uh, very, very well. And it's, it's fun for them to use as well as an adult that's looking to get around town and jump on a, a scooter or, uh, or any of our other products. And it just, it, it's made it uh, a unique way to, to get around the city or do a, a tour in a specific city while you're on vacation. As a father myself, I think I, you and I will both agree that you have the perfect stress test environment. Did you say nine, seven, and four? I did. And you know what? They're, they're perfect as far as if they can ride it. I feel like anyone can ride one of our vehicles. We just launched a new, um, uh, these e-skates called the Segway Drift W1s. And my son, who's seven, uh, who is right underneath, you know, the eight-year-old um, age that we begin with is, is he's riding him better than I can. And I think when you, when you think about self-balancing, it's scary for a minute and, you know, you jump on, they're very quick to learn. Uh, and I think not, you know, not just for, for Segway, but I mean, for all um, our competitors and those that are trying to make, make things more convenient. It's really an intuitive way to move. I mean, there has to be some sort of psychological component that makes it, and it, it feels like a native way to move. You're right. And that's how I explained for them to use these self-bouncing vehicles. I said, just stand on them. I mean, if you put a Coke can on it and you rode it around, it wouldn't spill. You know, it, it's, they're, they're, you know, it's a, we've, it's an innovative way that we have created a self-bouncing um, unit, not just for, for, uh, humans, but we, you know, of robotics as well. So I think, uh, I just told them, look, stand on it. Like you're standing on the floor and, and just feel with your, with your mind that you're going to go forward or that you want to stop. Uh, and, and you kind of just do it, you know, there's no leaning really involved, you know, it, it's really intuitive. Like you said, Sean. Well, and let's look at the other side of that because it is easy to acquire the mindset necessary to utilize one of these vehicles, but let's go from a technological standpoint. 
if one of those devices can survive the Ayala stress test, right. then nothing short of Travis Pastrana trying to jump the fountains at Caesars is going to break one of these things. That information is invaluable, I would imagine, when you're starting to think about what the next iteration of any particular device is going to be. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we we look at all different types of, of, of units and you, you start with one version and then you move uh, you move and you revolutionize it to another, or you evolve it to the next um, model. And I think we we learn from from past products and say how how do we make it better and a, a smoother ride for for the end user while on the street. Kick scooters are really starting to they're starting to become a quote unquote thing. Just I would be much more likely to use an e scooter right on a temporary basis than I would trying to maybe try to get a cab or trying to get an Uber. It just seems like it has success built into it. it it's a logical way to approach that problem. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's, you know, when you think about our, our kick scooters and, and actually our overall strategy is to make things smaller, smarter, and more convenient. When you think of a bike uh, in town, a lot of the exposure we're getting is from, uh, you know, scooter share uh in in these metropolitan areas uh where you you grab a scooter you have an app um you unlock the scooter and you pay for uh a short ride across town and you leave the scooter where it is um i think it's a lot more uh it's a lot easier to get it on a bus uh if you have a scooter rather than lugging a bike onto the front of a bus and waiting, having everyone stare at you and, and wait for you to get your bike all situated. Um, the scooters are, you have a lot of control. I think it takes you back to when you're a kid and you had those original scooters and um, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't take much to get on a scooter and feel comfortable. Uh, so you're absolutely right, Sean, that uh, I think we've, we've made a product that started as a consumer product uh, and really kind of transformed into a uh, you know, self-balancing transportation unit. What's the big challenge that keeps you up at night? I think with anything, uh, you kind of learn from, uh, from the past and, and not necessarily mistakes, but I think we, you know, for, for instance, our success right now is, is really with um, our scooter sharing uh, clients and their products that they're putting in on the street. Um, and when you think about how are they operating these units uh, in the street, I think we, we really need to consider the best way possible for everyone to be safe. Uh, our, our whole thing is helmets, 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 right? You gotta have a helmet while you're riding these. Uh, we want everyone first and foremost to have uh, safety, safety first. Um, so that for me um, is learning from what are the obstacles that we see launching in new markets and taking those obstacles that we face and then applying it to new markets and where it's a smoother transition. When you're the one setting the curve, is it hard to quantify success? Um, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting question because I know someone asked me, you know, coming from, as I, as I mentioned, the wireless world, you know, there's a lot of competition in wireless. There's a lot of different phone makers and a lot of manufacturers and then when you come to this arena there's 
really not many others that people are familiar with. When you, you say Segway, people know what a Segway is. And I really didn't understand that until I came on and I said, I work for Segway. And they're like, oh, yeah, those, those self-balancing things. Um, you know, competition hasn't quite hit us. So we are, you know, sky's the limit, I think, for us um, is really providing a, enough units for everyone to have the opportunity to use one of our products. And so, yeah, it is um, interesting that we will have um, that we are our own competition, really, <laughs> you know. Since you are the leading edge, that means you're also the ones that trigger reflection from regulatory commissions. Is that difficult to deal with, the fact that you've created a new paradigm and now you have to wait for the rules to catch up with you? Yeah, you know, I think it's a great question as well because I, I just got off a phone, you know, and, and part of my role is to really uncover uh, new dealers and, and distributors that are looking to carry our products. And when they think about is it allowed on the street because it has an engine, uh, but it is electric. You know, when you talk about environmental protection and and being more conscious of the environment, our units do that. Um, and but but cities aren't there yet to say, well, oh, how do we how do we uh, provide safety or even um, a, a, a they have a bike bike lanes, but do they have a scooter lane or a unicycle lane or a PT, a personal transportation unit lane? So they have to figure out how they can impl uh, implement our units into the cities. And, but, you know, we have to tackle those one by one within each city. And that was in Australia. So, I mean, that wasn't even here in the U.S. Well, I would imagine another challenge that you have is cities don't realize sometimes when they have an issue that needs to be addressed. So you really get an opportunity to make these presentations of technology and, and use cases and business case as a way, look, here's a problem you didn't realize you have, but it contributes to this and this and this and this. Here's a solution that actually helps you solve like nine different issues all in one fell swoop. That's got to make your days feel pretty good. For sure. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you think about anything new, is scary, I think, you know, and something where they haven't they haven't experienced it or had a chance to actually uh, ride. Uh, it can be a little bit of a hesitation, and so um, a lot of the people that are trying to break through into different cities and get and actually even bring in our products into different retailers and big box into Latin America, they're they're like this is new to us. So there's going to be a little learning curve. Um, in each market. Well, I have to say, for this final question, I have to give a disclaimer for both of our sakes. What I'm about to ask Randy Ayala is not supported or intended for public use, and we are not recommending that you try the thing that Randy is hopefully getting ready to describe to me. Okay. That being said, what is the most ridiculous, absolutely unapproved, usage that you have personally seen or heard about with regard to a segue well you know i did see a video and you can find them on you know youtube uh or any other uh social media platform but we have some pretty heavy duty 
uh, unicycles, and one uh, was being ridden in New York, uh, where actually I don't even think it's allowed on the street. Um, but this guy was flying around in between traffic, in between cabs, and in New York, you know, cabs are. <laughs> so he was going faster than most of the vehicles, stopping on a dime on, on a pretty high-powered unicycle of ours uh, called the Z10. And uh, it was pretty scary to watch. I, I, I would never try it. I would, I would tell my, my sons in 15 years, you better not try this either. Um, and so actually, I probably wouldn't even show them the, the video because I don't want to put things in their head. Uh, but that was the scariest thing for me is to see someone that had uh, that much courage to go through such traffic. Uh, and it's not it's not intended our vehicles aren't intended to do that to recap the two primary rules of segway club number one wear a helmet and number two wear a helmet and then two subsection b don't do that in new york traffic yeah don't do that with any of our vehicles in, in new york traffic uh for one the cabs don't like you and two bicyclists don't like you either you don't want to get into it with the bike messenger those guys don't mess around. Yeah, bike rage, I think it's called. I tell you what, I'm really excited to have had the chance to talk to you today, Randy. And today it has been my privilege to have a conversation with Randy Ayala. He's the Director of Sales for North and South America for Segway by Ninebot and Segway Incorporated. Randy, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks so much, Sean. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, everyone, have a, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.